Welcome to the Sarah Centrella Show. Join best-selling author, master life coach, and manifesting expert Sarah Centrella as she shares tips, tools, and inspiring interviews to help you create your dream life. It's time to hustle and thrive. Now, here's your host, Sarah Centrella. All right, everybody, welcome back to the Sarah Centrella Show. And I have a great show for you today. I've been trying to get this guy on the show for a while, and I am excited to be diving into a, a really great conversation um, this afternoon. And let me give you just a really quick little intro. Today we have uh, Alex Molden on the show, and he is an Oregon freaking Hall of Famer. <laughs> so uh, one of the best athletes uh, to come out of Oregon in you know my lifetime. I went on to get picked in the first round of the NFL draft in 1996. I uh, had an amazing career in the NFL um, and is now really working with athletes and uh, executives and entrepreneurs and things like that uh, to bring a lot of those lessons. So we're going to dive into all the good stuff. Welcome to the show, Alex. Thanks so much for being here. You got it, Sarah. It is great meeting you hearing about you and the things, the impact that you're having on people. I'm, uh, I'm, re I'm really blessed to, to be in your presence. Uh, well, I'm so excited. We were just talking before we um, started recording. We have a lot of mutual connections. And uh, so I think I always start with your backstory, but don't let me forget. I really want to get into relationships because that's how you and I know each other is uh, through that. And I think that's something that everyone is uh, always looking how do I improve that? How do I build on connections? How do I network? How do I do all of those kind of things? So everybody, we're going to get to that. But uh, if you're a li listener of the show, you know that I love to uncover the way back story, because to me, that is where all of it begins, right? Like we have all the success and typically that's what we're known for is, you know, like the accolades I just read off of, of yours. You have lots of them. They're really impressive, but you didn't start there overnight. You know, you didn't get there without probably working really hard. So can you take us back to where the dream of football uh, and all of that kind of began for you? Yeah, for sure. So, um, you know, one thing is I didn't grow up playing football. Mm. Like we didn't watch it on TV. We didn't, uh, didn't play catch in the backyard with my pops. Um, he didn't know anything about football. And actually, in high school, he he was a swimmer. He, and he only did that for one year. So, you know, it's not just so much about me, you know, just having this this skill. And then it was a gift. And then I worked hard at it. No, it was really, you know, going out with my friends and we would do stuff. So I'm an army brat. I lived all over Germany, Oklahoma, Colorado Springs and and um, I'm originally from Detroit, but we would go out and we would, you know, play different sports. And and football was just something that I really gravitated to. But I didn't, um, I didn't have like a you know uh, knowledge of it. And I was very frustrated. And early on, you know, I asked my dad. I was in the I'm sixth, seventh grade or something like that. And I asked him, I want to learn more about football. And my dad was like, I said, I don't know anything about this. <laughs> You know, and, and we never watched it. So I, I don't know about football. My my friends out there playing it, they're, they're, they wanted to be these different, you know, superstar football players. And I had no clue. But we did have a set of encyclopedias. And my dad was like, hey, look, if you want to learn, go look in encyclopedia. And so I went in there and I looked and I found F, right? For, for all my, my old heads who have encyclopedia, <laughs> encyclopedia looked under F, football sure enough it it that was my my first playbook and so i learned football from the foundational principles and so with that you know i was able to absorb and, and take in information but i was still delayed but um one thing that that what really um pushed me to play football was it was aggressive mm. and i grew up me and my twin brother, you know, my mom and dad, they had a, a, you know, abusive relationship. And, you know, so I was very angry. And so I didn't know how to go about, like, how do I, you know, with this emotion, how do I go about doing, how, how do I go about getting, I was just angry. And I found out about this game in football and, the, and it was okay to hit people. Mm, yeah. When, you know, between the, between the right. sidelines, the sidelines and between the whistles, 
but that was like my outlet for that emotion. Yeah, as a way to process it almost and yeah, yeah. and not just bottle it up and Absolutely. hold it inside. Yeah. So when did the love of it started start coming along? When you started balling out and doing really well or <laughs> Of course, right? When, <laughs> right? That's when you love it. I had so a like, little oh, bit of shit, I'm good at this. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I had a little bit of success, just like anything else, right? You 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 kind of do things, you make mistakes, you you learn from it and then, you know, you make a little bit of uh, success more than your failures. And then for me, the the determining factor was in football season, if I'm trying to get better at football during the season, it's too late. It's too mm-hmm. late. So I figured like if I, after the season until the next season, if I work hard enough and if I get stronger, I get faster, you know, I mean, and I played different sports. I ran track, played basketball, and but when I would train, I, w- I would do it at a certain level. You know, what I'm saying like I was yeah. intentional, and everything was like was at a high level. And I learned that stuff just from my dad. You know, my dad is a military; he's a, he was a drill sergeant. So everything was detail oriented, from us making our beds to tying our shoes to cleaning our shoes. All that type of stuff. So I took that same mentality into a sport, especially when I started to have passion for it and I started to, you know, have some success. And then here was the big determining was when I found out what football could do for me. Yeah, I didn't, right. know, I didn't know about the word scholarship. I didn't I didn't learn that word until going into my sophomore year in high school. And it happened like I was going I was going to go work out, go do some running, some sprints, because I want to I want to be a starter on varsity. Okay, yep. Yeah. So I would do all, that same goal. <laughs> right. I want to do all the stuff when when people was partying, they're doing all that stuff. Mm-hmm. I want to be the dude that's out in the field or in the weight room. And so one particular summer, I was going to go work out and I saw our our, our punter and who who was a senior who had graduated and he was still punting. So I'm over there. I'm like, man, why is he still punting? He's done. He's, right. he's over, right? And so I was like, hey, man, so are you just doing it? Why are you still punting? You doing this just for fun? Or what, what, you know, what's the deal? Oh, no, I was I got a scholarship. I got a scholarship at this this school. And I was like, scholarship? What is that? He was like, Alex, you don't know what a scholarship <laughs> is? You, you owe it. that guy. You owe that guy, right? Oh, that's my guy. <laughs> Raphael Rivera, that's what I do. Yeah. But he said, yeah, man. So they paid for my books, my my board and, you know, in school. And I was like, hold on, hold on. You punt and they'll pay for your books and your school. You can go to school for. for Yeah. You're saying free? He said, yeah, Alex. You're like, what do I got to do? Everything (laughs) else in my life, my social, all that other stuff. I was like, here. And then I had that conversation and it went to here. I was yeah. laser being focused to become the best football player I could be. Uh, I love that so much. And that's, that's what it takes. And I think, uh, you know, a lot of people are either maybe don't have the belief in themselves or maybe haven't had those initial wins to recognize that, Hey, the work is paying off. The work is getting me those wins. And I think, you know, maybe for you as a young kid, noticing that and like, understanding the work you're putting in out of season hey it's impacting my play i'm getting better and understanding that um that ratio of i don't just wake up and i'm in the best i have to do whatever needs to be done to be the best can you talk about that a little bit absolutely so so i had to number one i had to separate how do we separate ourselves Mm -hmm. right i had to ask myself how do i separate myself there was a guy who we played the same position. How do I separate myself from him? So I would have to put in, yeah, extra work. Extra work I would put in. And then when I got more, so I got more and more, you know, detail-oriented. And I started to ask myself, I said, okay, I need to do things when it's inconvenient. Mm. that's another way I can separate myself. We can, we can separate ourselves in anything we do. How do, how do I separate myself when it's inconvenient? Because, you know, you always hear if it was easy, everybody would be, right, right. right? It's easy when it's three o'clock in the afternoon, it's 75 degrees, 
you got pretty cheerleaders out there. They're working right. on doing their thing. I want to, uh, yeah, I go work out there. Yeah. No. I, I went out. I started training and working out like at midnight. Because mm -hmm. where I was, where, where I lived at, you know, we lived in, you know, the projects area in, in Colorado Springs, public housing. And there was always, you know, some some dope boys, you know, right. in the, in the huh, little grassy area and whatnot. And I would I would have to wait until they they finally leave, they dissipate, they go, and then finally I could I can now I'm gonna take my cleat down here and now I'm gonna work on it. I'm gonna work on my craft. And it was cold in Colorado Springs, it gets cold. Yeah. So I would I would do that and mentally what that did for me was made me so much stronger. And and then I asked a, a, um, another question is because I would get my feelings hurt, you know what I'm saying, Sarah? Yeah, I feel you. <laughs> I wouldn't, you know, I would like to do things with the other dudes who say that they want to achieve the same things that I wanted to. And so we would go work out, like we would say, we go work out early in the morning, 6.30, 7 o'clock in the morning, right? And then I show up to the gym and, you know, I'm the only one there. Right, right. You're like, it was like five of them. Yeah, it's like yeah. five or six of us. We're the leaders of the team and we want we want to accomplish some some really good cool things, but I would get my feelings hurt over and over again. And I would be in my feelings, I was crying and stuff, man. Yeah, yeah. And I was like, you know what? So I need to understand this. Like, it's gonna be lonely. Mm -hmm. Right? It's gonna be lonely if you want to achieve some things that very few people want to achieve. And then here's another thing is my goals, right? Our goals, they don't care how we feel. Ooh. When I understood that, when I looked at that and I was like, hold on, where I want to go, I want to play on TV. Right. And I want to play on TV. On college, I want TV. I want to get college paid for. Boom. They don't care if I'm tired. They don't care if I'm sad. They don't care if I'm happy. They don't care. They don't care. My goals, they don't care how I feel. Right. You, so, they don't, they don't achieve themselves, do they? Right. Like exactly. Cause there's different things. If you say you want to do some things and you, and I, you have to be consistent with it. Yeah. Well, you're going to feel a certain way based off of the relationships you have with your mom, your dad, your girlfriend, your boyfriend, all these different things. You're going to be going up and down. You got a lot of homework. At your goals, they don't, they don't care. You can change your goals. Right. If you want to, I chose not to do that. I kept my goals up here, and I act accordingly, and not depending on just just how I felt. Because there yeah. was good days, and where I was motivated, I was inspired, and there was bad days where I was like, man, in my feelings, and you know, whoa, whoa, is me? I had to move past that. Yeah, I always say that you know my dreams because I've spent so much time identifying them, writing them down, visualizing them, thinking about them that they are the thing that gets me out of bed, even when I don't want to, you know, because they're, they're like one more day, just one more try, just one more thing, just, you know, and because there are so many of those days that adversity, obstacles, all of those things. So did you ever hit that in that early part of your journey? Some of those setbacks and um, obstacles, or was it just smooth sailing? I read the highlights, so I'm like, that sounds yeah. great. No, it, it sounds that? good. But I really had my first setback, like my real, um, you know, a, something happened. It wasn't good. And I was like, oh, man, I might not be who I think I am. Or this this is a roadblock. I don't know if I can get past this. And it happened. Um, I was a sophomore at Oregon. And I got in, in the bowl game. Um, I tore my knee up. I had my ACL, my MCL, my PCL severely stretched. Um, and I had two screws put in this knee. I got a shark. I, I call it a shark bite because I've been <laughs> telling my kids the story for eons. Right. I got, a, I got about like probably like 10 inches of scar. And, you know, I thought that there was doubt that creeped into my mind. I didn't know if I'd be able to come back from this because you hear these horror stories about knee surgeries, reconstructive knee surgeries, and how guys are just not the same when they come back. And so that was, that was a, you know, that was a real thing. But I knew work ethic. I knew 
who I was in that terms of things, in terms of like, if it was work ethic, if it was listening to the coaching, I was going to do it. And so, you know, I was blessed to have, you know, a great, a great staff, um, rehab staff at Oregon. But then the one relationship that really propelled me to become even better was the relationship I had with Jimmy Radcliffe, who's a world-renowned strength and conditioning coach. And so he taught me foundational. Remember we talked about yeah, the encyclopedia? Yeah. The encyclopedia store? That's the same thing with Jimmy Radcliffe. He kept it simple and foundational principles. And it was boring. It was <laughs> Sarah. It was so boring. And every day it was like knee up, toe up, heel up. If anybody's ever worked with Coach Radcliffe, you, you've heard these words. Knee up, toe up, heel up. And so you would hear it. And right. go, ah, yeah, 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 yeah. But but when something's taken away from you, yep. something's taken away from you, now these words came through, I don't know, it came in louder. And yeah. so I worked on these things for months and months. And, you know, I started off with walking perfectly. And then after that, progress to marching perfectly. And it took weeks, three to four right. weeks of mastering walking, marching, skipping, and then running. And then, you know, all the, the while I'm not having any setbacks. Right. And then lo and behold, a year and a half from that surgery, I was running the fastest I've ever ran. Wow. I jumped the highest I've ever jumped. My agility was was um, way better. You yeah, know what I'm saying? Back stronger. It yeah, you back built stronger. it back stronger fundamentally. Yeah, absolutely. When yeah. you understand things at a foundational level, which I did when this injury was a blessing in disguise. Yeah. And it helped me propel me, gave me confidence that I can overcome some things. And then it also like took me into, you know, another level in terms yeah. of like making a career, right? I was, I thought that, you know, getting a scholarship, getting school paid for, we had no money. You know, and and then now, a couple years later, now this can set me and my family up for a long time. Right? Yeah, generationally, absolutely. Yeah. Um, and, and I've heard you talk about adversity, and I've certainly been through lifetimes and lifetimes and lifetimes of it. Uh, your story that you just shared is so similar to my son's story. He blew out his ACL and MCL and the whole thing in high school. Same thing, sitting there going, I don't know if I can do this. I don't know if I can get back up. And I was just sitting down and saying, hey, what if we come back stronger? What if we come back better? What do we have to do to do it? Um, and, you know, I've, I've heard you talk about like how, looking at adversity in a different way. Do you think that that it's almost needed in order to reach the next level of success? What do you think adversity does to us from, from a learning perspective? I don't know about it's it's needed, but I think adversity in failure, when you break it down and you look at it for what it is, right? One of the things that's that helped me have a long career in the NFL, right? People think NFL, that's great. Yeah, the average career is three and a half years. Yeah, yeah. And if you want eight years to play eight years in the NFL, right? I have a son right now who's in, who's doing the NFL thing. He's in year three. He's like three and a half. And I'm like, hey, that's average. Right. Okay? Yeah, that's so, even long average, I think. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Right. Because eight years to play eight years is on only 3% right. of guys who play in the NFL play eight or more years. And so it wasn't because of my athleticism. It wasn't definitely wasn't because of my size. I'm 5'10, right? I was 195 pounds. But it was what I was able to do with the information, my information and others' information. And not just the positive, not just the good stuff. I was able to take in information, the negative. When I made bad plays, I did not get caught up in my ego. And I've seen this happen time and time again with athletes, of not just athletes, anybody. I coach people to become better at whatever they want to do, whatever they want to achieve. Ego gets in the way. And so I was able to like look past all the ego stuff, basically ball it up, put it in my back pocket. And I was able to look and, and, and why did I make these mistakes? And then 
here's what I would do. Here's the the another level. When I was when when I was able to listen and hear the coaching, the coaches coached up the other players on my team who played my position. Yeah. It, it wasn't just me. You coach right. me up and then and then that's it. No. Okay, you coach me up. I take boom, boom, boom. I take notes on that stuff. Okay. The next guy he's coaching up, I was like, oh, okay, I'm gonna make sure I'm not gonna do yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, if he gets positive feedback, okay, I want to make sure I do that. I wouldn't just take it just from my perspective. And that's one of the things I think that that we can do. We don't necessarily have to have adversity, um, you know, per se, because there's plenty of people have adversity right. and they don't go digging through it. And why did that happen? Was it my fault? Was it somebody else's fault? Do they own it? Right. Yeah. So failure, adversity, they can all be used to catapult us to do some amazing things. But we have to be able to not just sweep it underneath the rug, but man, get down in there, dig in in there. Man, why did that happen? Look at all that. Absolutely. Let's make yeah. sure this doesn't happen again. Yeah, you really have to look at it and say, one of the questions that I ask myself is, what am I supposed to be learning right now? Because I, I, I've learned through my own you know, self-discovery that when something is happening, it's typically happening for me to either guide me in a little bit of a different direction or to hone my craft or whatever the case is, it's getting me ready for that next thing. And so even when it doesn't feel good, because it never does, when you when you hit an obstacle or adversity or failure or whatever. But Sarah, I you if I can switch, that you, helps yeah. so much. Like what am I supposed to do? You said it like that, that's that right there. I want your listeners to to get like that was beautiful what you said. What is this how how is this for me? Yeah. Not just woe me. No, no, this is going to help me. It it was a mistake. Maybe it's something yeah. that was put on me. It's not my fault. What? How can I use this? What am this, I supposed I'm to be make this, yeah. yeah, I'm going to make this into something that's beautiful. It's ugly right now. It's painful right now, but I'm going to use this for Absolutely. Me. Yeah. And it, and you really have to, because there's so many of those days where you're just like, nope, I don't care. I don't care if I'm supposed to learn a lesson. Like I can't handle it, you know, but I think knowing those are kind of my guardrails a little bit, like knowing that um, if I do continue to ask myself that I will get stronger. I will get better. I will be more prepared for the next big thing that's coming my way. And if I choose to stay in the wallow of it, then that's just as much as of a choice as deciding to learn and move through it. And I know I'm a pretty powerful manifester, so I'm not trying to manifest all of the negative shit that will come from me staying in the wallow. I'm like, mm, I'm going to, I'm going to speed past that. So, you know, I love that. Now, what are some, um, I know you teach 11 principles for success. I also teach a methodology. I'm super tools driven. I need tangible things to do, you know, good quotes. Great. But tell me what to do. I'll do it and I'll get a result. Um, and probably with your athletic background, I'm, I'm guessing that you're kind of similar. You'd probably like to have things that your clients can do. So what are some of the, the 11, maybe give us two or three that are just the go-to that every client needs to hear or needs to practice? They're a great question. Great question. And so for me, because I did football and I've done it for so long and I did it at, an, at such a, you know, a high level. Well, like I just said, it's not just off my athleticism. Right. A lot of it is off my good looks, but, but it wasn't. <laughs> <laughs> but, it was, it was, but it was this. It didn't hurt. It, but it was it was something that I've learned that I learned from a coach. And so number one, like having a coach mm. can be such a a good coach. Right. It can be a cheat code, a fast pass. It can be the reason why you do some magnificent things. That they can give you a framework. Right. And so I had a coach that gave me a framework. The name is Willie Shaw. And I only had him for one year, the best coach I ever had, because he didn't let wins or losses change us. It mm -hmm. didn't change him. Whether you won or you lost, he, he the same way. Hey, we did these things well. We did these. We need to improve on this. Right. And I've dealt with coaches. I've had coaches that, you know, I can play terrible and we win. And then my coach, he's my best friend. Right, right. I've had games where I balled out 
like balled out and we lose, he doesn't speak to me. Right. So one thing Willie said, and, and you know, it was in a in the first practice, first practice I ever had of me. We just had a new new head coach, Mike Dicker, and then uh he brought in Willie Shaw. And the first practice, I'm one to go in there and really wow him. I'm in my second year. I'm young. I'm raw. A lot of ability, right? I want to just, like, knock his socks yeah. off. And I came in there, and we had practice, and he didn't say a whole bunch to any of us. He was observing. And I was like, man, I want, man, I got a couple interceptions. Right, I'm, right. Like, where's my accolades? Yeah, I'm supposed to be your yeah. best guy, you know, right? And so I'm heading into the locker room, and then he reads, hey, hey, two five, two five. That's my number, 25, right? Hey, come over here. And so I, I ran over there, like, okay, this is it. He's gonna give me, he's gonna right. give me all the, you know, all the things I did well. Pump me up. Yeah. And he said, um, he said, two five, you wanna play a long time in this league? Yeah, absolutely. I'll play a long time. I, I get more contracts, make more money, you know, getting little commercials or whatever. Yeah, absolutely. He said, uh, you got to master these three things. These three things can give you success. You can play a long time. He said, because right now you're getting paid a lot of money for what you have from the waist down. He said, you'll get paid more for what you have from the neck up. Wow. And so he, he had me. Yeah. I was waiting for these three things, right? He said, assignment, alignment, adjustment. Assignment, know your job. Mm -hmm. Know your job inside and out. And I was like, okay, I know that. I know the playbook. Yeah, no. And then know the jobs of others. Right. Yep. It can affect you. You can't just know your job. You got to know the linebackers, the safety, the nickel, the dime. You got to know everybody's position. Not that you're going to take it, but when you know, when you understand it, now you can hold them accountable. Anticipate, and they can yeah, and accountable. Anticipate, yeah. Oh, okay. So assignment. Gotcha. So yeah, alignment. Okay, alignment. So yeah, half the time, Alex, you were misaligned. He said, this is not this is not high school. This is not college. You misalign and you're beat before the ball is snapped. You're facing some of the best athletes on earth. So make sure you are aligned correctly. Okay, check. And then the last thing is adjustment. He said, Alex, you weren't ready for any type of the adjustments, any of the motions, the audibles, the checks, the you were you were behind. Mm. You need to be thinking ahead. Like, what if my guy goes in motion? What if you know, this happens. What if that happens? You need to be thinking ahead. Yeah. And so I was like, oh, check. And so I started to master these things. I practiced them, you know, intentional practice. That's one of the biggest things that gave me success in the NFL. And so when I looked at it, when I, when I finished playing, right, when I finished playing, I was, I was good. I had money in the bank, multiple houses, multiple cars, good. But I felt unfulfilled and I went in for a job interview and I was told that, you know, after, after a 20 minute job interview, this lady, I was at a nonprofit entry level. She <laughs> said, Alex, you're not going to get this job. You're like, I just spent eight years in the NFL. What are you talking about? Like, I'm me. Right? I'm me, right? Why wouldn't you want me on your team? Come on. He said, Alex, let me give you some advice. You need to find out exactly who you are. Mm. Right now, you don't know who you are. I'm asking you questions, and you keep answering with football, with football, with football. Right. And that's, that's not it's not who you are. That's what you did. So that conversation changed my life because after that conversation, I went to my car, and I cried my eyes out. I yeah. I, I wept. I wept. Oh. And I... And I've been cut before from an NFL team, right? right. You, you get told basically you're fired. You mean right. two yeah. security guards walk you down into your locker, you know, the locker room. They watch you bag up your stuff in a black trash bag, and then they walk you out of the facility. It's embarrassing. Right. The teammates, they they know what's happening. They, you know, I'd much rather that happen ten times than anybody ever tell me that I don't know who I am. Wow. And so for me. When I was crying, after I finished crying in that car, it would be cool for me to say, man, I started to look at those three things, assignment, alignment, and adjustment. 
and how did that could have impact? It took years, Sarah, for wow. those for me to even think like what gave me success. I'm stuck. What can, uh, what, what's the framework? Yeah. I see that so much. And I'm sure yeah. you do too in your coaching, right? Because you work with athletes uh, as well who've retired or who are transitioning. And I did for, for years, I coached athletes both retiring from pro and, and going into pro and, and also, you know, executives who are successful and then trying to figure out what the next thing is. I think it, it's the same, right? Or um, whatever the listeners have, have achieved and you don't know what the next thing is. I think we can all find ourselves in a similar space where it's like my identity was so attached to the last thing that I did, especially the last thing I had success with that mm. a lot of times it is so hard and it just feels like this giant blank ocean. Like what, what is next? Where do I find it? How do I, and how do I ever feel about whatever's next the way I felt about the thing I just accomplished? And I think that can be really tough for people. And, and especially I think athletes have it harder just because they've been having a dream like that or working towards a dream since they were a kid. Right. Um, so they have a and, lot more. <laughs> there's, there's and because, Yeah. And because they've been treated differently. Right. And it's just been such a piece of everything they are. Right. Yeah. Everything they are in a lot of this, these athletes, cause I was one of them. We get treated, we get Sarah, we've been given a free pass, not I'm based so on our character, not yeah. based on our character, based of our off of our ability and our platform of being an athlete. And there's people that they go along with that. And it just, you know, it goes and it can be happening in your own house. Oh, oh, my Parents, God. Right, I see it. I've seen it. So right? yeah, and so, so they much. get brainwashed and thinking they are above, like they are entitled. Right. I felt the same way. Yeah. I was entitled. And that, the, but there's, but once you understand, you know, there's people in this, in this world, they don't care how pretty you are. They don't yeah. care how much you bench press. They don't care what type of sport you are. They care how you treat people. They, t- they care about what type of character you have. I love that. Dig into that because I know that that's, um, you know, a, a big part of your mission is teaching young men and just people in, in general um, about their character and how to develop that and probably how to shave off some things that you maybe don't like about your character, uh, trim them down and, and, and change it. So what, let's start first with like, what does character really mean to you and how has that awareness and intentional growth shaped who you are now? Great question. Yeah. Sarah, great, great question. And you know, for me, like like I said, I gotta boil it down. You know what I'm saying? Like my wife makes this bomb soup and with a uh, you know, we use like leftover chicken or yep. or ham the carcass. And she boils it all the way. Yeah, that's what it is. Boils <laughs> all the way down. Oh, yes. it's so good, right? So when you boil things down, it's so good. Yeah. Character, when you boil it down, is who you are. And it's not just who you are when you have success, right? It's also not who you are when you have failure. It's just basically it's who you are. And so when I look at it, I, I'm fighting every day to be the person that the younger Alex needed. I'm boiling it down to the person that my kids, when they see me in any environment, they can be like, man, that's my dad. I'm so proud of him. Because there was a time where it wasn't like that. But when I started looking at myself through a different lens, right? When we look at ourselves like, you know, doing a puzzle, right? If I keep looking at this puzzle, I'm stuck. Man, there's a piece missing. Well, I'll keep looking at it from this way. But then if I turn and look at it from the, oh, it's right there. That's what it is. Yep. Right? And we need to have people in our life who want, they don't, they care more about you where they can tell you the truth. Absolutely. A lot of people out there who are afraid to tell you the truth, especially how far up you go on this success ladder or whatever you want to call it. Okay. They won't tell you the truth. Yeah. Because they're impacted, right? They're like, "Uh, I I don't want to tell you, you know, exactly how I feel because I don't want that to come back on me. I don't want to be off the payroll. I don't, you know, yeah, yep. absolutely. I, I don't, I know. Now 
I remove people in my life who don't tell me the truth. I want people in my life to tell me the truth. And so, but like understanding character and how it can impact you and your generation behind, you know, or your, your, your kids, their kids, right? But it starts at home. It starts at home. So how, yeah, how so, has that changed your parenting? You know, you, you have what, five, five children, right? Yeah, eight. You know, oh, what? Jesus. Okay. So yeah, yeah you have your hands full. <laughs> you, yeah. have, you have your own character team. So yeah, how has that impacted yeah, how you parent? So how I parent, so yeah, it, it really has impacted because once you understand like influence, I mean, that's what leadership yep. is, is influence. So then I started to ask myself questions like, okay, what type of influence, what type of impact do I want to have? Number one with me, right? I need to change how I see things, how I view things. I need to change relationships that are benefiting me or my family. I need to change who I am first because I'm believing that what I did is who I am. Mm. And that's not the truth. So I started to do that. And then as I did that, man, the relationship I had with my wife changed, right? I started becoming a better listener. I started looking at what she does and the impact raising eight kids, all of our kids and the way that she did it, man, it was beautiful. It's based off love. Right. right? And then how I started to speak to my kids and not all of them. I don't speak to them all the same. You know, I can't speak to the nine-year-old the way he's, he's kind of sensitive Yeah. because the next one up is his sister and she's kind of sensitive, you know, rose petals, right? Now, the older two, I can talk to them right here. There's some kids I can just look at and then they know, right? So it started to help me understand, like, how I communicate with them, right? Not just words, but the tone that I have and the body language. So I need to be aware of that. And so just, just the more understanding I had of, you know, what influence is, it started just make me become a better person, a better parent, a better business owner, a better speaker, a better coach, all of it. Yeah, it has, uh, it's a big responsibility, right? Like I, I think obviously kids completely changed every part of my life, but I think it influences every decision that I make too. Just understanding that I have always felt my greatest role on this planet is to first and foremost be their teacher, I mean, love them obviously first, but (laughs) second behind that is to be their teacher. I mean, from the time way before they could even talk, I was like teaching them things. I was showing them how things worked. I was, you know, so that led into teaching the, the skills that have helped me get where I want to go. Things like mindset. How do you talk to yourself? You know, what are the things that you're saying? Are you, what are you putting out into the world? Is that what you want to have? Just all of those things. Um, teaching them those as, as the same exact way that I would teach them how to ride a bike or teach them how to swim, you know? And I think like, I love that building character is, is, you know, such an important piece of your life when you have especially eight people you're responsible for building their character. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and what right now is, um, I guess something that you, have really leaned into or, or discovered that has helped you embrace this stage of your life, right? Now you're a coach, now you're speaking, you're an author, you, you know, have a great, amazing podcast. Everyone needs to go subscribe to your podcast as well. Um, but what helped you kind of transition out of a very, dare I say, egocentric world (laughs) into a world that is much more based on, pouring into people and, and giving and also having reciprocal relationships, which trust me, I've coached pro players for a very long time. That does not exist in that world. It's very rare. You come across um, professionals in that space that have relationships in their life that are reciprocal. It's just like yeah. you said, it's really, really rare. So talk about that a little bit. Yeah. I think um, like under like understanding the, the things, the experiences that we that we go through. And if we've done the work to really look at it, right? Sweep it, you know, not just sweep it under the rug, but look at it, dissect it, 
why did those things happen? What was my, you know, my, my way of thinking like back then? What relationships was in there? Did I, was I, or did I feel entitled at the moment? When I started looking at those different experiences and then understanding there's, because of the work that I've done on myself and me digging up out of that and then having fruit that came from that, how can this help out other people who might be in the same situation I was? I love right? that. Yeah. Who might be in the same situation, right? Because that that dirt, that filth, that grime, like if I dig in deep and find out and then like, how did I get out of that, man? And in the framework that that I take, what if I gave that to someone else? What if I gave that to my kids? What right. if I gave that to somebody else who was stuck in life where I was? Maybe not like an athlete, but someone who's been working at a job for 20 years and they loved it. They even got a tattoo of the logo <laughs> of it, and now they get fired. And now they don't know who they are. Right. They don't know what they're passionate about, what they're good at. So... I started to look at that and then, okay, um, the things that we go through and then having the um, being brave enough to put it out there. You know and what I'm saying? Brave, brave is the right to, word because it is yeah. definitely scary and you have you have to be brave because there's such a piece of it that's so vulnerable. Yeah, and because that story that I just told about me going to that nonprofit Right. And being told not just no, but you don't know who you are. I buried that that situation, that story. I buried that. I never even wanted nobody to ever hear about that because it was the low one of the lowest points in my life. Yeah, I can imagine. When I looked at it and I dug at it and picked at it, but hold on, there's fruit here. There's fruit because I didn't stay in that. That was something that it brought me to the to to my knees. What, what, how did I have to change who I was? How did I look at things, situations? How did I speak to myself to help me get out of that place? Yeah. Oh, God. You just, kill me? you just touched on something that I think that I personally am so passionate about is how we talk to ourselves because I didn't know that I had any agency in that until I was, God, probably like, 37, 38 years old. I had no idea. I, you know, the first time I ever heard the concept of you could change your thoughts, I was just like, that's insane. Like, what are you talking about? There's no, there's no way you could do that. And so a big part of my mission has been, okay, how do I break that down? Make that super simple that a five-year-old could do it and figure it out and be successful at it and, and get a result. Because I think if we all knew how powerful our internal words and what we're putting out you know, in conversation and whatever, how powerful that is in creating who we are in building our identity in building our future. Like it's everything. How did, how did you like first come to that realization? And what did you start telling yourself to make those changes that you needed to make? You're such a great interviewer. I mean, I'm just, I geek out on these conversations. I geek out. I don't get to have them all that often. So well, let, let me tell you, for me, I have to hear things and I put it through my football lens or filter mm-hmm. and I filter things out and then I get to it. And so I would say, well, where was it ever a time on in the football, in, 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 in the game of football that I ever said, man, you're not good enough. Man, this dude is fast. Man, he's gonna he's gonna beat the brakes off of you today. Right. Never. Right, because you know you know you would have had a terrible practice. Like you you can put those two together. Yeah, you're like, why would I do that to myself? I I feel like shit. I have a terrible practice. That's ridiculous. And and but there was sometimes where I might have thought, I might have thought it, you know, because I was injured or I missed all week of practice and now I'm about to play in this game. I might have thought it, but I never said it. Yep. When we say things, man, we give it life. So true. And so it was like, and, and I remember this, this happened like one time when I was, uh, when I first started playing football in eighth grade, where we get off the bus, right? And we're going to the field and then the other team gets off the bus 
and they're, they're, they're big guys, right? They always put the big guys up front. The right. big guys are the first ones off the bus. So then it's like there's doubt that creeps in. Just from just from the thought, yeah. just from looking, no words, you haven't seen yeah. or any of that perception. And, there, and we had guys on our team that was like, oh, man, we're going to get beat today. I was like, what the hell are you talking about? You put that out there, yeah. yeah. And I, I, so that same thought, I hated that. And I still bring it today where, you know, my nine-year-old soccer team go up against this, oh, these big guy, oh, man. And I, and I can hear his kid or his teammates saying that. Yep. He, he says the same thing. What are you talking about? No, they're not. They ain't even showed nothing, right? Yep. So it's like, it's, it's okay to think it, right? It's okay. It, it might creep in. You have the power to say things. And I would say the same things I do when I, when I played football and now I love golf and, and I, and I love competing. And I say this, I get on the driver. I'm about to beat y'all asses today. <laughs> exactly. Right. Hey, Whoever I'm playing with, y'all about, yep. about to get this work. And I said, and I say to myself, and I give, I have a nickname. My nickname is Milk. Right? Like, like the bottle milk. Yeah, yeah. That's my nickname. It's given to me way back in Colorado Springs when I was in high school. Well, I turn into like that third person. I said, here we go, milk. <laughs> Watch this. Right. Yeah. So I talk myself into it. You know, I, even if I might not be thinking once I say it and, and now I say it and I give myself belief and confidence. Now I'm rolling. And then it happens. Yeah. Oh, I'm rolling. Oh, my God. I always tell people like to visualize a boxing match. And, you know, we've all seen the movies where the, the boxers beat down. He's in the corner. He can't get up for one more. And what's the coach doing? He's like yelling in his face, all the things get up and da 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 da, da and you can do it and blah, blah, blah. And I always imagine like if, if the coach is sitting there saying, you're a piece of shit, you can't do this, get off. You know what I mean? Like, it just doesn't make sense. And so that's what I do in my head all the time. I'm like my coach in the corner going, come on, you got this. Da, da, da. And I'm, I am guiding that conversation. And like you said, there's many days when all the rest of it comes through the doubt, the fear, the, this, the, that, but I know that I can be the coach in my own corner and I know what to say to get myself out of it. And I think that's so important. And you know, listeners, if you don't know what to say, sit down and write it out. I, I call them the mottos and I am statements. Just sit and write them out so that in those moments you have them and you can grab them and it can recharge you, can get you back on track. I think, you know, one of the things, you know, talking about character and it's something that I always, you know, with my with my clients is they, they tell me where they want to go, right? Their goals. Mm -hmm. I said, okay, who are you willing to become? To get there who are you willing to become are you willing to become someone who doesn't just rely on how they feel or emotions even though they're there and they're real but sometimes you need to put those emotions by the side and we got to get going right i'm not a psychologist yep so basically i don't care how you feel you say you want to get here it's my job to be able to hey you feel this way yes i get it I've been there, but we need to move forward. How do we get there? Absolutely. And that on on your methodology, is there is there a go-to thing that you kind of start someone out on when they're in that spot? When they're in the place of like, well, okay, I, I have a goal, but I don't know what my first step is, or I don't know how to get started. Is there something that you do or point them to to get them started? So first is, you know, we talk about assignment, alignment and adjustment. How do you need to align? You know what I'm saying? So how do you align to wherever you want to go? And so I asked I ask them like, okay, who are you willing to become? Do you need to be an asshole to get you to that job or to wherever you want to go? You have to be an asshole. Do you have to be someone who is... Um, you know, you have to, the, the bad things that are happening to you, do you still need to make steps forward? Like, what type of person do you need to become? Man, right? I love that. I you simplify, right? Yeah. We just got to simplify. A lot of things, times we, we put things 
make it so lofty or whatever, right? It has to, or it make it so like a damn science project. Once I understood, man, I need to, I want to, I want to get this college scholarship. Okay, who do I need to become? I need to get stronger. I need to get faster. I need to do this. And I need to be consistent with it. And I can't let like the external factors, the weather, the, you know, the feelings, I still, I still need to put steps forward. Those days might look differently, but as long as I'm moving forward, we have a, a saying I heard um, from one of my coaches, um, you never stay the same. Each day you get better or you get worse. You never stay the same. And if you have that as your goal and you want every day to be just one tiny bit better, I think you having, like you said, like not having it too lofty, but understanding that, hey, if I did one drill better, then I'm improving. I don't have to have like the entire practice better, or I don't have to have, you know, the entire next step of my business better. If I do one component of that and I'm crushing that and, you know, I took the notes and I'm improving, all of those wins count. And I think a lot of times we forget to count those smaller wins, the wins that stack up to get us the big result because we're like, eh, the needle isn't moving far enough, fast enough, quick enough. No. Yeah. I love that. Well, thank you so much for, for being on. I could seriously sit and have this conversation for a way longer time. Um, everybody go grab your, your book. Tell us a little bit about your book and your podcast and, and where everyone can find you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you can check out my book. You can just go to alexmolden.com. I try to keep it simple. alexmolden.com. You can find my book. Um, you can see what I'm doing, like when in the speaking space, in the coaching, you can shoot me a, a, a email or whatnot on there. You also have my social. So I'm, I'm at Alex Molden everywhere. I love it. I'll put, <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll put it all in the show notes, make it nice and easy for everybody. Uh, thank you so much again for just pouring into us and, and sharing your wisdom. Uh, and until next time, everybody get out there and hustle and thrive. Thanks, Alex. Got it. Thank you. Thanks for listening. And remember, if you got value from today's show, please spread the love by clicking subscribe, leaving a stellar review, and telling everyone you know. And join us next time on The Sarah Centrella Show.